Listening to Food Chain, presented by Perfy. A big thank you to this episode's sponsor, Triple Whale. Triple Whale's powerful analytics platform clarifies your ad performance across channels, keeping you instantly in the know. Hit the link in the show notes and use promo code Perfy for 15% off today. Hey, everybody, welcome to another episode of Food Chain. Today we have Paul Vogue, the co founder and CEO of Ouroboros, with us. Paul, welcome to the show. Hello, Basa. Thanks for having me. Of course. Um, I'm so pumped on this. We have so many fun things to discuss. But before we do, can you tell the audience a little bit about yourself and how you got to where you are today? I can. I started Bora Bora. We sold our first can 36 months ago. Actually, it was the week of Thanksgiving. So exactly 36 months ago. I got into this. I grew up outside New York City in a family with a health freak for a mom, um, which was a really great thing in a lot of ways. As a kid, I didn't like it as much, but uh, it meant we drank soda. So I was drinking a lot of sparkling water, as were my four older siblings, even at young ages when that looked like a weird thing to do. And just felt like there wasn't actually a craft version. So my first few jobs after college, I worked in office buildings with a fully stocked pantry and fridge area. And we had kettle potato chips and Justin's peanut butter and Jenny's ice cream and a number of better for you CPG products or better tasting CPG products. And it felt like the most popular item in the pantry area was LaCroix sparkling water in terms of consumption. And it was probably the least enjoyed. So we're all drinking it, but none of us are liking it. That was the background that led me to like sparkling water. And that was the set of circumstances that led me to believe there might be a option here to make a craft version of sparkling water. So that was way back in 2018 and 2019. And then we sold our first can in November of 2019. So there's about a six month period there of developing the brand and the product and the formulas and the co-packers and all the things that go into it. But yeah, that's how we got to where we are. And Ouroboros makes craft sparkling waters made from herbs, fruits, and flowers. Today, we have eight flavors in retail and about 5,000 stores across the country. Sprouts, Whole Foods, Thrive Market, a couple of divisions of Safeway Albertsons, a couple banners of big grocery stores, and yeah, trying to sell to more and more consumers to get more and more folks hooked on our products. I love it. You mentioned that it took six months to get the brand going and, and all of that in 2019. What was that process like and how did you split up that division of labor? Gosh, so there's a comedy to this story in that um, my co-founder and wife, Maddie, is a creative director. She has been a branding copywriter person forever. At the time, we were living outside of Boulder, Colorado. So it, it made the most sense for, hey, I am going to quit my job and do this full time. And worst case scenario, we live in Colorado. It's relatively inexpensive compared to the coasts. Coloradans hate when you say that, but that's just true. And... As a result, worst case scenario, this doesn't work. We'll just have to drink through the 40,000 cans and <laughs> Maddie's salary to fall back on. The irony was that a few weeks after I quit that job, Maddie got a job offer in the Bay Area and we moved to San Francisco. Quickly, everything tripled in price or quadrupled um, in some instances. But the division of labor was kind of, hey, Maddie, pay the rent and after work and on the weekends, help when you can and Paul do everything else. What was great is in that first six month period is where we needed Maddie the most. And it was before she had started the new job in San Francisco. So she was really, really present um, and helpful in everything. You know, what colors, what kind of graphics, how do we want the copy to sound? What sort of messaging do we want consumers to resonate with? So for anyone that started a brand, you know that all of those kinds of conversations end up being big existential questions that you rely upon for many, many years to come. Pretty wild. And it's so awesome when you have a partner both in business and in life that 
you guys can kind of share the responsibilities in multiple ways. Totally. Kudos to you guys. I mean, certainly when we met, I didn't think, oh, this will make a good business partner and a good life partner. It was more the latter and then ended up being a nice surprise on the former. Um, but it does mean, yeah, our investors and consumers get a lot of work out of us because we end up working around the clock because you're always with your co-founder, but um, it's worked for us. So we enjoy it. I love it. When was it that you guys went on Shark Tank? How much longer after you sold your first can did you uh, show up on the show? Ooh, good question. Uh, so we sold our first can the Tuesday before Thanksgiving in 2019. And then that was just the, the grocery store down the block from my house. I was, <laughs> I was driving the orders over there myself for a number of weeks. And then COVID hit in March of 2020. So at that point, I bet we were in, I don't know, 100 or 200 stores in the Bay Area that we were still probably self-fulfilling to all the way up until February when we got our first local distributor. And then I got this email in April of 2020. It was during that period where all of us thought that, oh, we'll just you know spend two or three weeks hunkered down and can't remember what Fauci was saying back then. I think, it, uh, what was it? Flatten the curve. That's what we were all saying, flatten the curve. So it was during that flatten the curve period. And we got an email from this guy claiming to be a Shark Tank casting director, which I just assumed had to be a joke. Uh, I thought it was actually a friend that had more time on their hands during COVID and just thought it'd be funny to make a fake email address and email me. But he was a real guy and we chatted a few times and he had tried the product at a grocery store in Southern California and thought it would be a good fit for the show. For those of you that have seen the show, you know that mostly it's the same couple of sharks, um, but then they have these rotating guest sharks in with specific industries. So if you watch you know, a couple of years ago, Alex Rodriguez was one of the guest sharks and you'll notice that whenever Alex Rodriguez is on the show, one of the uh, companies has to do with sports or has to do with you know media, something that like he's connected to. So same thing. They were looking for food and beverage products. Now we know why, because Daniel Lubitsky was one of the sharks. He's the founder and CEO of Kind. And yes. they did more startup CPG businesses. So that's how I got started was them saying, hey, we're looking for startup CPG businesses that are in retail, but not in a very big way. We went back and forth. They said, hey, fill out this form, send us this video, fill out this, et cetera. And we just, I felt like I was doing all these things for these producers. And Maddie and I thought, well, if this doesn't work, we've surely never wasted this amount of time before. Luckily, it did work. We did go out to Las Vegas. We quarantined for 10 days. We did the whole show experience. Long way of saying, your question was, how many days in between selling the first can were we on Shark Tank? In between selling the first can and filming for Shark Tank was nine months because we filmed in August of 2020. And then airing was about six months after that in January of 2021. Nice. And what kind of impact does being on the show have for specifically for your brand, but do you think for other CPG brands in the space? Yeah, best case scenario, you go, I mean, it's a little like, oh, you know, when do you want to win the lottery? I guess it'd like it'd be best to win the lottery in a state that has no lottery tax. And, you know, when you're 23 and you can use the money for the longest. But the truth is, it's like, well, if it's the lottery, you don't really get to plan when you're going to win it. And very few people get to win it. So I'll say with that huge asterisk, this is not me being ungrateful at all. But the best case scenario is you go on that show and you're in tens of thousands of stores. So you can immediately get yeah. a big pull from the shelf. We didn't have that scenario. Because at the time when we were on the show, I think we were in like 400 stores and mostly in the Bay Area that we had I'd sold into myself and some of which I've delivered the first 10 or 12 times. We still did see, yes, we saw good pull through from those 400 shelves, but not in any sort of huge meaningful way. What was the gift I didn't properly assess at the time was we got this huge group of consumers that saw us in the show, went to our website, signed up for emails, et cetera. We got thousands of emails in like 10 seconds. 
And over the last couple of years, as those have gotten more and more valuable and with iOS updates harder and harder to do, that's been like the bedrock of our direct-to-consumer business. So I didn't know that at the time. I, I remember thinking like, oh man, it's a little bit early. I wish we could wait a year until we're in more stores. But the truth is, hey, we probably wouldn't have been able to have a COVID era D2C business without it. That was the huge benefit of going on the show. Yeah, I want to touch on that a little bit. That's a that's a huge win. I call that building house file when you capture emails or SMS from real people. The spam ones don't really count, and you yep. you know you kind of quarantine those out anyway. It's such an an arsenal or a tool belt that you can use both online and in retail because all it really takes to reach the people. Let's say you launched in you know, Rayleigh's in NorCal, right. I believe. If you have a list of people you can segment out, you know, who lives in this area, you can let them know, hey, we're now available in Rayleigh's. And you can still kind of have that same impact later on down the line. It's a, it's a big initiative for me and all of the brands that we work with is how do we get more people in the Rolodex? So when we roll out nationally or even regionally, how do we have an army built in to support that? Totally. Yeah, we do that all the time. We, we did that last week with a, a new store launch. We'll do that next week with a new store launch. So I just do nothing about it. I, I, as will become clear the longer you talk to me, it's just how little I know. I was amazed like, okay, got it. Yeah, there's a reason brands email many, many times in a month. And there's a reason they want you to like them. The best brands get consumers to consistently buy them in store and consistently buy them online. And you need some reason for both. Obviously for us, yeah, we're, we're shipping a heavy, Perfy's the same way, a heavy 12 ounce beverage, like best case scenario, you can find it at the store a block away from your apartment. Worst case scenario, I have to ship it to you. What would be great is if you start buying off our website and then you start buying in store and maybe we come out with limited edition flavors that pull you back to our website, or maybe you just keep buying it from store. I'll say I eat M&Ms probably every two weeks and I have for most of my life. I've never bought M&Ms on a website ever. Doesn't make it any less of a strong brand. It's one of the strongest brands on earth. I'll say I just didn't think enough about it because I didn't know that much about digital commerce in general. Um, but it has certainly been really helpful when launching into more and more retailers. Peanuts or milk chocolate? Oof, never milk chocolate, always peanut. Yeah, I haven't had M&Ms in quite some time. I tried to, actually, I'm not a big sugar guy, to be honest. Uh, back when I was a kid, though, the peanut M&Ms were a problem. I've never had M&Ms like in my home. I was thinking this the other day. I've been traveling a lot for work. And they just, they dominate the airport scene and getting that share size bag of M&Ms before mm -hmm. flying four hours to the East Coast is an exciting way to spend your day. So that's, that's <laughs> what I consume M&Ms the most is on a plane. Do you ever put them in popcorn? My girlfriend has this thing where like whenever we're watching a show, if I'm cooking popcorn, I know that she wants about 10 M&Ms, uh, milk chocolate ones in her popcorn. Do you ever do that? Never done that. Um, I've gotten into putting lime in popcorn recently. My friend Hannah is a big popcorn person. So she's converted me that you need a little citrus in buttery, salty popcorn. I'm going to have to give that one a try. Give it a whirl. Give that a little taster. All right. So you did Shark Tank nine months after it went live, six months after that. Yep. You got a deal done, yeah? We did. Yeah. It was with the the far-right friendly Canadian named Robert Hershevik. Yeah. He's got the uh, those mint-infused shirts too, right? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> he does. I'm sure they're following you on Instagram, or at least they follow me around. Has it been helpful for you know, you'd have him in your corner with his network, or do you want to kind of keep that hush hush? I will keep that hush hush. I'll say the show is exciting. Season 12, episode 11. If you truly have nothing else recorded on your TV or on Netflix, then you should watch it. Otherwise you can take my word for it that it was a lot of fun. I'll take your word for it. I'll probably watch it too. But what I do know is that there was no beard at that time. It was a different Paul, right? <laughs> That's right. That's right. <laughs> Let's move on into something more recent that's been great. Um, you launched an LTO, a couple of them recently, one of which took the internet by storm. 
And that was green bean casserole flavor. What was the conversation like when that first came to mind? Gosh, um, that was so much fun. So we, I referenced this earlier of, you never want like people in your business feel like they're competing with one another. But the truth is, if you run a retail focused business that has a website, they are competing with one another. You want, yeah, you're trying to grow sales. And the more stores you're available in, the less likely it is that someone will go to your website. So we thought, okay, we have all these seasonal consumers. The impetus for the brand, remember, was me being bored by sparkling water flavors and feeling like there wasn't kind of a craft version. So I felt like, okay, there's only so many SKUs you can launch in retail. Back to M&M, they just launched a pretzel M&M that I'm a huge fan of, but they can't launch 15. They kind of launch like one or two new ones a year. What if we built up this base online that was so interested in sparkling water that every month or every couple of months, they'd come on and buy a new weird flavor that hopefully they loved and eventually we could get to retail. So that was the beginning of the LTO program, which we did our first limited time flavor. Gosh, when was that? It was ginger Meyer lemon. I'm actually drinking one right now. It started online, sold out to our base, brought it back, sold out again, and then brought it back in a really big way and started selling it into retail. We did the same thing with a, a grapefruit elderflower flavor. So that we had kind of a rhythm of every 60 days coming out with a new flavor and the best ones would graduate to retail. Then we had this idea of, okay, we have these really, really hyper loyal fans and the CPG brands hopefully know what I'm referring to. Like, yeah, there's probably a couple hundred folks that like, they order all your new products, they're first to your list, they're first to comment on social media, et cetera. Call them super fans, hyper loyalists, pick your title of choice. And we wanted them to feel extra special because they've been supporting our business from the get-go back when we had zero employees and now we have a team of 16. So we came out with a secret menu I'm a big In-N-Out Burger fan. I grew up on the mm -hmm. East Coast. So whenever we'd visit my cousins and grandparents out here on the West Coast, it was like the first place we went after getting uh, to the airport was straight to In-N-Out and loved the idea that they had this menu of products you couldn't find and you felt so special if you knew about it. You know, this is pre-smartphone back when it truly felt like a secret menu. So that same thing, what if we have the secret menu where it only goes to hardcore consumers and we can do really weird stuff because we know we won't lose their attention because they already really like us. And the idea was, okay, how do we get seasonal? And we thought green bean was a really fun seasonal flavor. We were going to name it green bean sage, which is in line with all of our other products where we have like an herb flower spice mixed with some sort of fruit. And then kind of at the last minute, I was like, hey, we, if we do it as green bean casserole rather than green bean sage, we might get some sort of weird local wacky press. You'll probably remember Vasa Jones Soda did a turkey and gravy flavor every yep. year. I remember as a kid, like just seeing that press of like, oh, there's a turkey and gravy flavored soda. That's so fun. It was a bit of a, a callback to Jones Soda, which is still around, but I feel like more so as a kid, I saw them all over the place, at least outside New York. And luckily that ended up being true. It got picked up by a uh, an affiliate station of a local news network. It's called Sinclair. They run like a third of the local news affiliates. And I think as of this morning, 465 local news stations have covered green bean casserole flavored sparkling water. It doesn't mean that we've sold a million cans of it, but it does mean we've sold a lot of it. Um, and it's been really fun just to be kind of in the conversation around Thanksgiving. And local news is just a hilarious junket in and of itself. So it's been very fun. Luckily, people really like the flavor. I have personally had more than 55 cans now of it. <laughs> so um, I'm a huge fan of it. That's great. And you ended up, you were uh, the number one search listing organically on in Thanksgiving, right? For green bean casserole? We were. I mean, it was a very fun, <laughs> like if you put in green bean casserole at google.com, the first result was sparkling water company. So I'll put that on my resume as something I'm proud of forever. That's amazing. It, it reminds me of this campaign. I'm going to butcher this story and I definitely don't remember the PR agency's name, 
but there is this PR agency in England and they run crazy like stunt PR campaigns. And one they did a couple years ago, maybe three years ago, you probably remember this. It was this can of Thanksgiving dinner and it had layers of like turkey, gravy, mashed potatoes, stuffing. Do you remember that can? I don't. No, tell me. It was this disgusting can of Thanksgiving dinner in a can, every different item, like side dishes, the main dish, and it was layered in a can. But the crazy part was that stunt wasn't to sell the can. Like, of course, they sold them and it was gross and people were saying good things, bad things. But the campaign was for like a gaming e-chair company and the e-chair company sold out. I have no idea how they tied like 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 oh a bridge. Like, yeah, it was some wild campaign. I, there's the PR agency is like something by noon. I've been trying to work with them for one of our brands. Maybe they don't work with California companies or I don't know, but can't yeah. reach them. Either way, it was one of the coolest campaigns. If you Google like Thanksgiving dinner in a can, I believe wow. it was from 2019 or 2020. One of the coolest things and it reminded me a lot of that. I love that. And you know, we're just like, we're so interested as consumers in kind of the gross is probably too strong a word, but just like, things that kind of grate you a little bit, like you can't look away. So I loved, I mean, my favorite was seeing all the negative, almost vomit emoji reactions to green bean casserole on the internet. I mean, you can still, because all those local news affiliates covered it, these are folks that have never seen our products. And of course, we hope what ends up happening is, yeah, in the next year, that same consumer that said, oh, that sounds disgusting. And they didn't buy a single can of green bean casserole flavored sparkling water, but then they go into Sprouts or Whole Foods and they see one of our other flavors and they give it a try. So hopefully it ends up going back into our pocket. But for now, it's just been fun to watch the hilarious gross reactions. Yeah, for sure. Being your own boss and your own founder, like this story, I can already, like from outside, it seems like a tremendous success, regardless of you know how many sales of green bean casserole there right. have been. Because exactly like you said, next year, these people already know of you. When they see Ginger Meyer Lemon in store, it's probably going to be more approachable for them. But you broke that barrier and you did it in a way that's fun. A lot of founders that I've worked with in the past, or I can't say a lot, that will probably make me look bad, but there's been times in the past where we worked with founders where within one week, they wanted to see basically a PL of the ROI on what X, Y, or Z campaign did. And sometimes it just doesn't work like that. Oh my gosh. It's crazy how long a view you have to have in this game of, hey, you know, we're talking about things people put in their grocery cart. Like, I always joke, like there's not that much shopping you do where you have a list the way you do grocery shopping. Like people make a list. It's probably the only kind of list I make these days is a grocery shopping list. So to get on that list, that's very hallowed ground to get on someone's grocery list. So someone might have to walk by you in an aisle a triple digit number of times before they reach for Perfy. Um, and you just have to be okay with that. Of like, hey, you got to build up enough goodwill and be in the right aisle at the right price at the right time. Maybe it's the right temperature to finally make a off list purchase and put you in the cart. Like that's just a hard thing to do in general. So anyone looking for an immediate P&L increase is uh, probably best served in a different industry. Yeah, it's probably finance. Uh, no offense to uh, <laughs> just you and Matt who are on this, who came from the finance industry and the CPG. I'm, I'm sure they have wider frames of thought, but uh, yeah, something that I think it was just so cool. I think it was so successful. And I think you'll be seeing the positive results for that for, for, for time to come. Thank you. It was fun. A lot of fun. I want to touch on earlier, you mentioned that um, your investors and your consumers are fortunate because, you know, you guys are working around the clock because not only are you business partners, but you're also life partners. Are there specific ways that you guys find to have some sort of balance? Like, do you have like a special thing that you do like walks or, you know, maybe it's watching TV or do you have some sort of regiment to keep some balance or are you guys just all gung ho? Oh uh, man, I, I wish I could say, oh, we've always been really balanced. There are certainly, I'll say there was a nearly a two-year period, probably 20 months 
where I do feel like I did not stop working and it's not a good way. Like I, there's some comedy to it. If you can allow it to be funny where I went to probably three or four friends weddings. This is last summer at numerous weddings, folks walk up and say like, wow, you've aged so much since I last seen you. And I, at first I was like, oh, you know, it's just, it's just COVID. Like I didn't see someone for 16 months. It's just that. And then it was like by the second or third wedding, I realized like no one's saying that to anyone else. They're just saying it to me. So I must have just aged really poorly. So long way of saying, if you're listening to this, you're thinking about getting into CPG, it doesn't have to be that challenging. I, for whatever reason, felt like it was for us or felt like it was in beverage in particular, or it was in that time period of my life. I'll say now, Maddie and I both probably have a much better rhythm of work Yes to walks, yes to TV. We live in the outer sunset neighborhood of San Francisco, which is one of the few flat neighborhoods in San Francisco, which has been a welcome change. We used to live on the east side of town with huge hills. And I was amazed how many excuses I made to not exercise every day because of the hills. I have a new approach on life where I think every human is kind of their own like drive-through window. So make things as easy as possible. Like have canned soup on hand so that on a late night, it's easy to make dinner. Like whatever the easy exercise for dummies way of getting you out of your house and walking, like do it. That's like almost a a dark thought, but I'll say for us, it's made all the difference of like, Hey, if there's a three-step way of doing something or a two-step way of doing it, 99% of the time, I'm going to pick the two-step way, no matter what the solution is. So find a way to drive through your life is my small amount of advice. And Maddie and I have certainly taken that approach as of recently. That's awesome. And and great advice. You know, I, I definitely people always ask me like, I probably have more responsibilities on my plate now than I ever have. You know, I, I run my agency. I'm still the CMO at Outer Isle and yeah. Perfy takes up almost all of my time. I think that I have like a an unwavering commitment to sleep these days. Like early yeah. on with GB, <laughs> I would think it's college all over again. Like, oh, it's three monsters and an all-nighter to come up with this board deck or whatever yeah. it may be, or this creative campaign. I resist that urge so much, even on the weekends now, as much as I wanted, I, I will do a couple of things if they're super important, but I think it's so, so if there's nothing else you're going to do, this is my advice for people who get into CPG or beverage or whatever it may be. It's just prioritize sleep for me. That's my number one. Like I sleep hard these days and it's been a, a savior. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. I was like not a big sleeper, which is a weird thing to say, but I'll say like in college or soon after college, I feel like I had the reputation of not sleeping very much and doing fine. And yeah, in the last year, I feel like, oh, one day of you know five hours or fewer of sleep ruins the rest of the week where it used to yeah. just be like, oh, no, you're one extra coffee and all is fine. But maybe that's just aging where now I just can't do it. <laughs> I hear you there. For me, it was a couple. I'm usually a happy go lucky, but sometimes in the morning, I'm a bit grouchy, especially when I haven't really woken up. So I've had to move some new like tactics to get out of the grouchy Vasa and, and get more of the <laughs> teddy bear. Like I'll have to go to the gym in the morning. I don't respond to emails right away because I don't want things to come off like harsh or, or curt or whatever it may be. And oh, it's right. been super helpful. I, I don't want to be a uh, grouchy boss. So if, if I don't want to be just got to have to sleep in. So what are some exciting things that are keeping you going with Ourobora? Do you, you don't have to say what, but do you have like more LTOs on the way for like crazy green bean casserole flavors? Are you going to go even deeper next time? Or what are your thoughts around that? 
Yeah, gosh, I don't know. That was the one worry about creamy and casserole. Was like, I don't feel like we can get much weirder. Like that's, I'll say, with our normal flavors, with our flavors in retail, of course, we're always trying to bridge the gap between like unique, interesting, different, but not intimidating. Yeah, I mean, yeah, no, green bean casserole is not bridging the gap. Like that's firmly <laughs> in the intimidating camp. So. <laughs> I do feel like we've kind of set an upper bound, which is good. We now know like, okay, nothing can be weirder than green bean casserole flavored water. We do have new LTOs coming down the pipe, some of which we did last year. We're bringing them back because people liked them and it's just been a year. Some of which are totally new with new ingredients that we've had some fun with. I won't tease anything, but I'll say we generally try in the colder months to do flavors that kind of remind you of the warmer months. Um, So you can expect that in the next 90 days or so. We have a couple of big retail launches that I'm really excited about. So we'll be pushing into a lot of conventional grocery stores in the first half of 2023. Thus far, we've built our business almost entirely in natural. So in the Sprouts, Whole Foods, Fresh Times of the world, where generally there is a higher income consumer that is not as price sensitive. Um, I'm excited to see how we resonate with folks that are more price sensitive and less so in the coast and more so in the middle of the country. So those are the two exciting things coming down the pipe. And then I think the final one, and kind of every food and beverage company is feeling this right now, is just like, okay, if the economy is going to continue to restrict the way that it has, how do we find ways to be margin accretive? How do we turn this into a profitable business without having, say, $50 million of sales? Those are all top of mind and sometimes all at once, sometimes one at a time. But yeah, that's kind of what's ahead for us in the next 12 months. Oh yeah. Building a Mike Schneider said this to me on LinkedIn last week, building a business and a brand. We've recently found some efficiencies on the Perfy side of things that are pretty exciting, man. I, I'm a couple years behind you, but Q1 of next year is our big push into some really key retail accounts that I'm so pumped to announce in January and February. Good. Good. Yeah. It's hard to do both. You know, I feel like to Mike's point, people are naturally brand-based or naturally business-based. I was probably naturally brand-based and didn't think enough about the business side. And I know people that do the opposite. It's truly a balancing act. And if you don't have both, like you'll fail either way. So it's a hard game. Very, very interesting. I'm so pumped for Ourobora. You guys, I don't fanboy over too many brands. I don't even fanboy over celebrities when I meet them or athletes, (laughs) but Ourobora, what you guys are doing is it's refreshing, it's exciting, and it's different. I think you guys are checking off all the boxes. Vasa, thank you. I appreciate it. This is, we're talking on a Monday where generally things are down and you've got to like get excited for the week. So that's the uh, encouragement I needed. I appreciate it. You got it. You got it. Well, Paul, man, it's, I think I asked a bunch of the questions I wanted the audience to hear. I appreciate you. I'm going to link to your store locator, your website, your LinkedIn, all the good stuff uh, in the show notes. But aside from that, is there any, anything else you want to share? No, I I do have to tell a story. So uh, those of you that listen to this podcast, you probably also follow Vasa on social media. So you probably saw the fake can he made (laughs) based off of facial hair. So two good stories there. One, I am Greek. So I'm a very hairy individual in general, which means I could shave and have a beard in six hours. Um, But I've had this kind of length of beard, which this is a podcast, so you can't see it. So I'd say like, imagine, you know, someone that's been in the woods for a while, um, not like a year, but like, (laughs) six months is probably accurate. My parents are pretty old school. In fact, my dad is a veteran. So he's like very anti-facial hair. And so actually it's been great. The few times I've seen him this year, it's been kind of fun to watch him be upset about the beard. But Vasa posted a fake can of Perfy as if it was flavored as my beard, which obviously was a joke and a hilarious joke compared to our green bean flavored water. A few people thought it was real, including my own mom. I don't 
like she's like not on the internet in any sort of significant way, but she saw, of course, like my first and last name on a can with a, a quick sketch of my beard. And she's like, what is going on? Like, uh, she had a great quote. She's like, are, are you getting mocked? Like, is someone making fun of you? Are you getting bullied? And I was laughing. I was like, oh my gosh, mom, like it was a joke. And then she started to think maybe it could be real. Like, is this a gag gone too far? So it was the most like hilarious. There were so many funny interactions from last week from that happening, but the best of which was my mom who like already doesn't like that. I don't shave. So a piece of her was probably hoping that it was serious thinking like, Oh, this is great. Now he has to shave for this publicity stunt. Um, so that was funny. You're a very funny man. I hope that you also had consumers reaching out about your facial hair flavored uh, soda. I wasn't going to break it up because I, I didn't want uh, people to continue to think it was real, but I'm glad you did because people actually <laughs> did. Like, like who reads a description of a product that tastes like Alpine Barbasol is like, yeah. yes, I think I'll have that. But I do appreciate them because they, they were interested in tasting what your beard tastes like. Not that I know you use Barbasol or whatever you use. but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm like, what do I use? Like, well, I don't shave that much. So I don't use that much. But that's very, very funny. And, you know, we're living in this this era where you can, you're not really sure what you can trust on the Internet anymore. So we're both having a little fun with it. It's good. I love it. I appreciate you for being a being cool with that joke and definitely wasn't bullying. So if mom's listening, I promise it was all it was all in good fun. <laughs> Oh awesome. All right, Paul. Well, it was a pleasure having you, man. Awesome. Thanks. You got it. <laughs>